Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, where weather is always the theme, but, well, your weather forecast, you might need to look elsewhere. So, I hope you've had an enjoyable week since we last talked. I know I've, I'm actually, I guess my weather intertwining is I'm a little under the weather, so if I sound a little more bassy than normal, you might know what's going on. I had that, you know, sensation of cold coming on, and you're going, oh, please just be a cold, nothing more serious. A little bit of fever, a little bit of congestion. But somehow I'm going to push through it and get this podcast done, that's for sure. I don't want to leave you guys hanging, but be patient with me. If you find me babbling in the middle of the episode, it's probably just because, well, my brain's not 100% there, let's say. Now, this past week, there was a big, big news item was the launch of uh, an ISRO satellite. Now, you're wondering, what is ISRO? It stands for Indian Space Research Organization and... You're asking, well, how do you know they say it is real? I don't know they do, but I had the opportunity to work with them in the past. That's how we said it. So in any case, I, I digress. The The satellite, um, or actually satellites, so they had a, a rocket launch that sent 100 and, I think, what was the final number? 104 satellites into space, which just dwarfed the previous record, which was in the 30s or something like that. Now, most of them were of a type that were these little dove-type small miniaturized satellites and you've heard me mention these before kind of the wave of the future in terms of potential satellite technology as we've been able to compress and take all these things that used to take up lots of space and miniaturize them etc but i think the company is planet i'll put a link in the show notes to this story where you can read a little bit more about what these things do but it's kind of a neat thing you know, and while we're talking about space, I know you're thinking to yourself, Mark, what do seven newly discovered planets around a distant moon that's over 30 light years away have to do with weather? Well, well, if we're going to go there, we need to be able to forecast the weather, right? So, in any case, that was kind of a neat discovery as well. And it is kind of interesting to imagine forecasting if we were on another planet and what that might be like, that sort of thing. All right, so the topic for today, is social weather the future of weather forecasting? Now, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about this crowdsourcing idea, right? And that's one aspect of it. So humans providing, or even their devices, providing via all these social connections, social networks, Providing forecast information for other people to digest. So that's one aspect of it. But the other probably more prominent aspect of it is just the distribution of weather forecast. And I would say not just weather forecast, but quality weather forecast via these social media platforms. Okay. Now, when I was coming up with a name for this episode, I typed in social weather to Google after I was, you know, typed in a rough name. And I was surprised, actually, I found a result for an article that was written, I don't know, probably four or five years ago by a company that is in the weather enterprise, a fairly big name in the weather enterprise. I'm not going to put their name out there. But the article kind of was very focused on the positives, of course, which is, you know, it provides a real-time platform to distribute information. It provides an opportunity to interact directly with the audience or those receiving the forecast. It provides that kind of local connection, you know, that 
if it's one to one or you know just just feeling like you're relating to that individual who's providing the forecast and of course they you know they talked about challenges of hoaxes and particularly in this is not unique to weather by any means but we do see it a lot in the in the weather community where we have these big weather events and all of a sudden you see these images and they're recycled images from past events and actually there's a whole slew of people that will find an image when they see one and will dig up and see if it's current um it's it's unfortunate that, that happens and and i think most of the time it's it's harmless enough that people are sharing things that you know may have been old but you know we get in the same thing which is in this day and age of so-called fake news is are these alerts that you're getting or items you're getting in your feed really trustworthy, right? So they, they highlight on that. And, and certainly this was well before, you know, where we are today and, you know, what we've ha- had with political cycles, not just here in the U.S., but around the globe in the last year or so. So that that's definitely been a, a component of it. But in case, so I decided, okay, this was four or five years ago. I go look at this company, see what they've been doing, what platforms they were using, and not surprising, they use some of the big ones. Now, for instance, in the article, they were they touted an up and coming social network that is no longer even in existence. That's defunct, and you know, as you can imagine, that's one of the challenges, right? Which is the the lasting power of these platforms that we're seeing that come and go, or you know, as as we hear now that Facebook has become kind of the old people's platform versus the young folk are not not using Facebook as much. But in any case, so I looked at, at what they were doing, and of all these things, they really, as a regular rule of thumb, weren't achieving any of those positives that they talked about. They had very limited views on many of the items that they were putting out there. They didn't have a lot of engagement overall in most of the items that they were putting out there. Now, I will say that when you're having major events, and I'll use, you know, for instance, the big rains we've been having in the western U.S. here in the last, you know, over the course of the winter, it does provide an opportunity to provide real-time updates and people get feedback. But then, if you become very focused on that, the rest of your audience, because this is an organization that's not focused just on the local, right, the rest of your audience is like, well, okay, how do I even find my forecast amidst all your coverage about this one event? Now, that event may be of interest to them, but it really it might not overall. I mean, it's not to say that they're not interested in the topic, but they may not want to see a bazillion feeds in their, in their timeline about something on just that one topic, right? So they haven't seemed to crack the nut as the phrase goes we're, we're all still dealing with these challenges with social media it's a very i mean think about it 10 years ago we were barely even starting to talk about social media and today it's a prevalent part of lives around the globe okay and i don't care which one you use like i said whether it's a facebook whether it's a twitter whether it's an instagram whatever it might be they all have their audiences, they all have their strengths and weaknesses, but the challenge is as they come and go and as they try to tweak things for whatever reason they decide, all that kind of messes with the status quo, which can be difficult if you're trying to adjust to this. It's fine for somebody that's just putting out casual information. It's not as important. But you know, one of the things, and I'll just highlight it, and we'll, we'll talk about some of these in a little more detail, is you know, the, the whole idea of in the past, everything in your timelines on these different platforms was time sensitive. Like if you didn't go in and look at it at 
you know, a certain time, you likely weren't going to see something from a day or two ago. But now they're recycling these things. And so you may get something that's, you know, five minutes old, or you may get something that's from a couple of days ago. And that presents, you know, its own challenges when you're trying to prevent, present, excuse me, timely information. But, you know, let, let, let's be realistic. Certainly there's a lot of potential with these platforms, right? You have the ability with tools, and, that, and that's one of the benefits in this technology age we live in, right, is there's a variety of tools that help you reach these various platforms through a common interface and send out multiple things to the different platforms so you can reach different audiences that might be engaged on the different platforms. There is this ability to be more real-time, you know, to to provide updates and information kind of on the fly, which traditionally in more run-of-the-mill media, yeah, you would have things where they broke in and that sort of thing, but it's a little it was a little more difficult. And you know, a lot of times people complain, don't don't interrupt my uh, viewing of The Bachelor so that you give me a potential tornado watch somewhere. So, you know, it's it with social media, they can choose whether to ingest it. And that's that's one of the benefits, right, is you can choose when and how you're going to absorb it as a consumer of those social media platforms. I think one of the other real benefits is that video is finally becoming a prevalent aspect in these platforms. Now, there's a lot of things I don't like about video and social media, but when you're trying to share information, doing like a weather forecast, doing so with just a still image or just a little bit of text can be difficult. So I, I think the video is good from that standpoint. And as I mentioned around time frames, you know, traditionally, let's let's talk about broadcast, television broadcast forecast. You know, they, they came out at certain times and you had to tune in at that time. Well, social media really allows you to reach an audience whenever. I mean, you may put something out there at a certain time. They may ingest it at a different time or you don't have to be as fixed to a set time every day. Although we find that people like routine. So, you know, even if even if you are maybe not on a set calendar, we still like to know that, you know, around this time every day we're going to get some sort of update or whatever it might be. Now, there's also a chance to reach audiences you may never have reached through the traditional media. That's a pro, and we'll talk about the con aspect of the audience as well. And the benefit also of social media is it's a little easier to share what I would call additional information. You can easily put links or other uh, ways to retrieve more detailed information for the folks that want to do that. Not as easy when you're trying to communicate through whether it's radio or whether it's print or whether it's television. Pushing you to additional information usually means you have to go get another device or get to your computer or phone or whatever it is. Whereas with social media, you've already got that usually in hand. So you don't have that challenge. Now, there's certainly plenty of challenges with with the social media platforms as well. You know, I mentioned the hoaxes. I I don't need to get in details. I think I think often most of the hoaxes, at least when it comes to weather, people aren't. I well, I, I shouldn't say that. There there were issues with people setting fires here in the southeast, and we had tried to to try to drum up business for their social media feed. So it does go it does go overboard. I think most of the time that's not the case, but the hoaxes and even the desire to become noteworthy or famous can drive very dangerous behaviors. Now, I also talked about this kind of when we were talking about the crowdsourcing, you know, and I I don't want to forget this social element coming from the other direction, 
right? So when we've got people providing some sort of forecast information to an app or a platform, whatever it might be, that information is subjective. And us humans make errors. Uh, I don't care how you slice it. We may not know the right terminology to use. And, and I remember that. So in the U.S., we have this thing called Skywarn. And a lot of the local meteorological offices um, with the National Weather Service go around and they do training. And part of it is, you know, teaching you what to look for, but part of it is about how you communicate that information and making sure that you're using phrases that make sense. You know, saying something's of a certain size when that item could be a variable size doesn't necessarily do anybody any good. So th that's the other aspect with the human element. Now, if you have lots of people providing forecasts, certainly you can look for a, some sort of standardization around that. Or maybe you prompt people with certain terms. Are you experiencing this or this? But an average person's ability to go in and diagnose what their weather is around them may be a little more tricky. So we've got this human error standpoint. Yeah, I mentioned, you know, I, I struggle with this whole social platform. And again, it can be timely on one side, but we've got this problem where, like I said, things get recycled on the other side. Interestingly enough, here in the U.S., we have an agency called FEMA, right? And FEMA produced an app, and it's a pretty straightforward, pretty simplistic app. But one of the things they have is weather alerts in my area. Now, of course, I've got lots of other weather apps from talking about them on podcast or whatever it might be, that also will provide you local alerts. I must say, though, the FEMA app is actually the most timely, consistently timely with that information. We had, I think I told you guys in a past episode, a couple months ago, we had a, a tornado warning in my area. And it was that FEMA app that was actually the one that got it to me in time. Some of the other apps didn't even give me the information about the tornado until the tornado was already gone. I mean, it's like, what good does that do, right? So that's not particularly helpful, okay? So we've got that element. I mentioned the audiences. One of the challenges with audiences, and particularly with weather forecasting, is, you know, when you look at how we've delivered weather forecasts, certainly there's an audience for a national or an international component, but a lot of people want a local weather forecast, right? And it can be hard on social media to bridge that gap to make sure that you're reaching enough of an audience locally consistently and that they know how to get hold of you. Again, it counts on them to some way knowing or being familiar. And this is a, a challenge with this newer generation that may not have watched traditional newscast or whatever it might be. They may not know where to find a local person that can help them, right? So you have that challenge of how to connect with the audience. And, of course, there's always the monetization element. And I bring this up because it, it is very real. So an individual that's making money through social media and platforms today that's making good money, most often their goal is to reach as many as people as possible. And it doesn't really matter where those people are. And a lot of times what they're covering are topics that are not sensitive to a location or even an advertiser. Like let's take Coca-Cola as an example. They don't care whether someone in Atlanta is seeing the advertisement. What they want is to make sure someone who has access to Coca-Cola, but that could be many places around the globe, is seeing the advertisement. That's not necessarily the same for people that are doing localized content creation. And this is one of the challenges. You know, we talk about disruption, and certainly social media has disrupted, like a lot of other things with technology, uh, and old, old media platforms or traditional media platforms. However, what we're finding is 
as these platforms mature, people still really do have a need for content that's quality and local, particularly with weather, that's relevant to what's going on around them. However, the monetization on these platforms hasn't really gotten to that or gotten to that stage to where, let's say, a local television meteorologist could reach enough people. I mean, they may be reaching a big audience by a local social media standard, but the monetization's not there to a point where they can make the same kind of money that they would make for creating that, you know, again, it costs them, it costs the ability to have a team creating these forecasts, but they've got to be able to have revenue that's done that. And again, traditionally, it's been done through advertising, and I think that can work in social media, but we have in this initial thing, you know, whether it's uh, the Apple Store, the App Store, or, you know, however you get on YouTube advertisements, the challenge is most of the creators today make such a small amount of money in comparison and the way the system's set up today, you, they can't bring their own advertising in. That's against most of the terms and services. So I think we need to see an evolution of these things to deal with that problem because you want that local content. Then, of course, the last problem or the last real challenge is what I would call social media weather people, right? Now, a lot of these are well-intentioned and they're sharing information that they find interesting, but Again, we've got on the other side that there's no frame of reference. Someone who might get it and they send it along, and I, I get these, especially during the winter time or during tropical cyclone season. You get these things that are shared, and they're just horrible. Whether it's you know someone pulled a specific graphic, and you know again in their mind they had processed it to a certain extent, or maybe even worse, they didn't really even know what they were looking at. But this is it's a double-edged sword because there's also a lot of younger people that are really connected in social media, really interested in weather. And this is a great platform for them to, you know, go about learning and understanding. Now, again, with all these things, I, yeah, and with social media in general, like I, I remember I, I had a friend recently posted something on Facebook and I was typing some sort of response to it. And then I thought to myself, huh, that person knows me and knows how I am and will take this comment a certain way. But Anybody else reading their feed may not take it the same way, and it may create more problems. Worse, so I didn't send it. And this is a, a real problem, whether it's young and upcoming weather people or whether it's people that are just wanting to share weather information. Too often, there's not a context around it. And so the receiving ends and the final recipients, you know, may be shared and liked and all this stuff and you know again they're trying to do the same thing they want to get lots of likes and shares of course we all do we like that gratification sort of thing and so there's this tendency to hype and you know the real fear there is that you put people in danger that you shouldn't put in danger again this is something i think is, has as much to do with the maturity of how we're using social media with weather forecast and there and there's opportunity i think to maybe make those next steps so real potential, real, real problems. And I, I guess if I were to try to figure out, okay, what can make this work? How would this really work? And, and again, we, you know, one of the steps is, and we have it to some extent with broadcast meteorology today. We've got, whether it's the American Meteorological Society or the National Weather Association here in the U.S., there, there's ways to be certified that you know what you're talking about. And that same thing should probably happen in social media. And I know there's been talk about this, and I really think that step needs to be taken 
And, and again, it's not just about weather. It's about a lot of things. You, you want to feel that the people that are giving it to you are credible. And I think this is, again, as social media is evolving, it's not just about weather. This has been a lot of things that we're starting to back up and go, okay, all this chatter is nice. And it's not that you don't want to listen to your friends. But when it really comes to news or information or you know, weather forecast, you want to make sure it's of quality and know that those people are, are accredited to be giving you that information. So even if it's somebody who hasn't been in traditional media, that there's some sort of way that you can say, I know that what they're pushing out there is something that I can trust. Okay. The other aspect of it is this local element. You really do need, with weather in particular, and again, a lot of this has to do with local news and everything else, you need people that understand what's going on locally to be able to provide you that quality forecast. We got to work on minimizing. So if you know, if we look about the input, so when social means getting it from people, we got to minimize that human error. And quite frankly, we need to give more control to the producers. You know, I think these platforms have been very reluctant to give up control to what I would call quality producers, and I think they need to make a step. I think, and I and I, I've seen this loosely in some places, but I think we need to see more of the platforms look for quality creators and for those quality creators have a different type of relationship than they might have with the average Joe. Okay. Now, again, I know that opens up a little bit of a Pandora's box, but I think that's a step that's got to take place. And of course, everybody's got to make their money in it. You know, I'm being realistic. I don't care whether you're you know, the National Weather Service and funded by a government, there's still funding for it. I don't care whether you're a local media person who's traditionally gotten their revenue through advertising, then there's got to be a way to advertise that's effective for them. So I think there there is opportunity, but that element will most certainly need to be addressed as well. So that's my take. Social weather, is it the future? Well, it's part of it. I'm not convinced that it's going to look anything like it does today. I think the way the social media platforms are going to continue to evolve is going to change what this looks like. The challenge will be is this disruption as we go through this phase. How much damage will it do to the existing environment? Not so much that I have a problem with us making changes, but you want to make sure when you come out of it that you have credible sources that are providing those forecasts going forward. So just my take. If you have a different take, feel free to pop me an email at whatitisabouttheweather at gmail.com. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts. be interested to hear. So, you know, I, I, we talked about satellites going up in the, in the front. And I've mentioned this before about how satellites are good, but they still have challenges with getting inferring measurements throughout different levels of the atmosphere. Well, did you know, and you know, I mentioned weather balloons before, did you know that 800 weather balloons roughly twice a day are launched? from places all over the globe, 800. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. So there's your interesting tidbit of the day. Coming soon. Now, for those of you who've been listening last few episodes, you keep hearing me talk about the shutter disaster, and you've probably hopefully figured out by now that I'm talking about the shuttle disaster. So we're going to do an episode of Did Weather Change History and talk about the weather impacts on the Challenger shuttle disaster and how that's really changed how space activities are going forward and what what role weather plays in that and how it's you know incorporated into what we do now so it's something to go there and as i mentioned briefly next month is going to be weather podcast month national weather podcast month and for my international audience that includes you too so it's just weather podcast month in my mind i guess 
I'll talk more about that next week as we get into it. So, you know the drill. Again, if you want to get hold of me, whether it was about this episode or something else, what is it about the weather at gmail.com? Or you can hit the form at the website at whatisitabouttheweather.com and just go to the contact us portion of the page. As always, I continue to appreciate your support. And you know our little motto, RSVP, rate, share, validate, and pledge. All right. Whichever of those you're doing, it is greatly appreciated. And if you've done one and want to try another, that'd be that'd be appreciated too. But thanks for all the support as we now reach a year. That's kind of incredible, right? This is next week we'll we'll have passed the year threshold and still going strong. So you're still listening and I'm still enjoying doing it. So hopefully we've got uh Many, many more years of doing this together. All right. Well, it's time to let you go. And all I can say is until next time, may you have an enjoyable intertwined weather week. May some way weather impact your life, hopefully in a positive way, of course, in, uh, in a way you never imagined. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel. So please support him on Patreon.com slash weather. This is a two-word super production.